So today and every day, we continue to get ready so that we can be ready. I'm going to wear that shirt when it appears, Krista. Somebody make sure Krista remembers. I know she's not, I don't think she's here right now, but I need my get ready, be ready shirt. Huh? Homeless, I know. Homeless, sick kids like many people are. So we'll read passages today. We're going we're gonna to read Revelation, some in chapter 19, some in chapter 20, some in chapter 21, some in chapter 22. Whew, we got a lot to, to get through as we complete this journey in preparing for Christ's return. Let's go to Revelation chapter 19. Picking up from last week of those days being shortened that the elect would be saved. Not being appointed to the wrath of God, but being appointed to salvation. Revelation chapter 19 verse 1 says, And after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord God. You want to know how to pray some prayers sometimes? You can, Lord, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to you, O God. Drop down to verse number 6, and it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as of the sound of many waters, and of the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, Clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Lord, we thank you for just this opening passage your word lord and how it just resonates and just makes our hearts and our spirits jump at the thought lord of the reality and the promise of one day being with you physically and for all eternity lord in that eternal dwelling place that you have gone and prepared for us holy spirit we ask you just to just come and just who just come today, Lord, and just touch the heart. Touch the heart of each person in this place, Lord, that, that you would make our hearts just awaken. Lord, awaken our hearts to these realities that are soon nearing and approaching upon us, Lord. And God, we give you all the glory today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You know, there's one very special among many aspects of us being the creation of God. You know, because we talk about eternity and we talk about heaven and we obviously don't talk about it as much, but we know there's also a hell. We like to talk about heaven, but 
Never, most likely, have you been to a funeral where somebody went to hell. We don't talk about it. When God created man, he created man in his own image. He created man and woman in his likeness. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God, our man, our body, soul, and spirit. He made us like him. He had a plan from the very beginning. He had a plan of sending Jesus as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world so that all of mankind would have the opportunity to believe in Jesus. Yet here we go, we walk every day, and, and as we've made note a couple times through this series, all the churches all over the world, though some maybe a little bit more than others, but we're still the, the minority of the populations that we live in. It's a, a wonder, it's a scratching of the head as to, why, when somebody sees a life transform, whether it's just a person who goes without hope to having the hope in Christ or somebody who's absolutely desperate or destitute having hope and having life in God, why isn't everybody just flooding in into the kingdom of God, into relationship with Christ? And it almost looks a little bit unfair at times. I don't know if you've ever thought that, but it's like, man, why... God's so sovereign. Seems a little off balance at times. But then you come to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. And this scripture is, is one of those scriptures that, that begins to make everything make a little bit more sense. I'm not saying that we're going to have perfect clarity in this life. And that clarity is going to come as we'll see in a moment when we see him face to face. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, it says this at the beginning of that scripture. It says that God placed eternity within man. God placed eternity within man. What does this mean? What does this, what does this pass away? It says he has also set or placed eternity in the human heart. What does... What does this mean? It means that when God created mankind, when he made that first Adam and, and made that Eve from man, that first woman from man, God strategically placed within his creation a, a God-sized hole. Another way of saying it is, is that God placed a little piece of heaven, because we're talking about heaven today. We're talking about eternity today. God placed a little piece of eternity within man. Every person has it. From the time that you're conceived until forever, you are an individual. We're not individuals that then we vanish and we don't believe in being reincarnated. We don't believe in coming back as something else. We don't believe in just ceasing to exist and sort of poof, vanish. That was a nice little run here on earth, but we, our consciousness or our spirit and definitely our physical body is no more. We don't believe that either. 
We believe that when God created man, that he created man with a spirit that will live for all of eternity. And in order to to give us the upper hand, if you would, he placed this, this longing within us. He placed this this whole, you wonder why, and not everybody admits it, I I understand. And and sometimes you just want to bang your head up against a brick wall, trying to get people to get it. Like, why can't you just get it already? Has anybody ever actually done that? I think I might have done it like one time. But before I did it, I I looked around to make sure that nobody was like looking Because, you know, if the pastor is found banging his head up against a brick wall, you know, that could could go viral really quick. (laughs) But sometimes we feel like that. We're like, why can't you just get it? But God has placed eternity. And eternity is that part of man that even when people don't want to admit it, is that part within side man and woman that says, There has to be more. That's the eternity. Keep that scripture up, please. That's the eternity that God's placed within the heart of man. There has to be something more. It's a a constant pull. It's a constant irritation. It's, It's from that irritation is why people spend their whole life being atheist. Now think about the ridiculousness of being an atheist. You spend your whole life battling and fighting against trying to convince yourself first and others that there is no God. Think about it for a second. If you got to fight so hard and battle so hard to convince everything that there is no God, doesn't that within itself prove that there is? Because if there's not... There's nothing to fight against. There's nothing to try to convince yourself against. If it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. There's no wall in front of me right here, so I'm going to walk forward because there's no wall. I don't have to try to convince myself. Because there's this eternity within man saying there's got to be more. There's something else out there. There's something, there's someone else out there. I came from somewhere. It doesn't matter to me how many times and how many shades of blue a person's face may change in trying to convince otherwise. I'm telling you, there's something in them because Jesus put it there that draws them and pulls them to there has to be something else. And so that's the mercy of God. That's the kindness of the Lord pulling pulling mankind to him. So here we are getting pulled into this relationship to Christ. And we're at this point in our journey of studying and looking at the second coming as to understanding in a moment of time. In a moment of time, after we walk through this life, this eternity placed in our heart has pulled us 
into relationship with Christ. The Holy Spirit has drawn us. Christ has come into our hearts and forgiven us. We have been made new into new creations, yet we still are not ready to enter into eternity. Not to enter into the presence of the Lord. Because in a moment, the word of God teaches us there's going to be a change. It's going to be the, the most dynamic change, transformation that ever happened in your life. Now, for me and my salvation, if you saw me, Matt, if you saw me at my salvation, you wouldn't recognize me in jail. My head shaved. I'm just, my eyes are just droopy and baggy. I'm 18 years old, without hope, without everything, thinking my future was over. But then Jesus came in and installed hope in my heart, installed joy in my life. I laid my head on that jail cell pillow that night. And for the first time, I slept. I slept. I was like, oh, you know, we say we sleep, sleep like a baby. But I don't know about y'all's babies, but my baby doesn't sleep all night. No, I mean, I slept like a person who just got saved. <laughs> Just slept. We're going to have to come up with a, we're going to have to key a phrase, coin a phrase with something, that whole baby thing. My baby, my, ask my wife, you know, up three times last night. We're like, okay, baby, he's, he's going to start sleeping eventually. Supposed to start, supposed to be sleeping already. But in a moment of time at salvation, we're transformed into this new creation. But there's going to be something else that happens in a moment of time as we're nearing the coming of the Lord. And when the Lord comes back and returns for his people in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. That's an interesting scripture right there. It has not yet been revealed exactly what we're going to be. We're not going to be male or female. We got that. Paul gives us that much. We're going to kind of be like the angels, you know. This moment, it's not going to be like, as I read in one blog recently, it's not going to be like, you know, a big Thanksgiving reunion is sometimes what we think of, of what coming into eternity. Well, I'm going to get to see grandpa and grandma. I mean, you know, as the, the little clipping said, think, think about how our Thanksgiving reunion is going on the earth. We'll leave that one. We'll leave that one alone. That one just applies where it applies. Don't laugh too much, especially if you got some family around. But it has not been yet revealed what we shall be. But what we know is that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. You see what? we're talking about right now is we're talking about when the Lord comes for his people. And when he comes and he catches us up, it's talking about this, this instantaneous twinkling of the eye, less than a second type of transformation that happens in the physically for each man and woman of God, boy and girl of God. It has to happen. It has to happen as a preparatory measure in order to prepare us to stand in the presence of God. 
It has to, has to take place as we, as we sung about last week and a little bit last night as we sung about Moses on the mountaintop and how when Moses said to the Lord in Exodus 33, show me your glory and in verse 22, God says, so shall it be when my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. So I'll put you in this place of safety with the whole mountain covering you and will cover you with my hand. So I'm going to put part of you in the cleft so that one side is protected and I'm going to cover you with my hand so that your other side's protected. And when I pass by, I'm going to kind of take my hand away and I'm going to let you see my backside. I'm just going to let you get a glimpse of my backside because if you were to get a glimpse of anything else, you would die. You would die. You see, as much as we experience the presence of God today by way of the Holy Spirit living in our heart and by way of the Holy Spirit just having God knows how he does it, a way of filling the atmosphere with his presence and his glory, and we get a, a sense of the presence of God. The reality is it's a very small sense. As glorious as some of your encounters have been with Christ, whether in church or devotion, as glorious as they've been, it's been just a, just a, a taste. I don't even know if we could call it the appetizer. It's been just a taste because there's so much more. So much more, so much so that God has to prepare us in order to be able to stand and withstand his presence for all of eternity. Moses got a little glimpse of God's glory and his flesh was lit up like a nuclear plant. It was fading, but it was, it was electrifying. God showed him just enough so that his flesh wouldn't burn up. You go out and get your suntan in the sun for a day. You come out and never forget the, the worst sunburn I ever got in the Philippines one time. My wife and I were at this little island, and, and I just fell asleep on an island on, in the Philippines for only a couple hours. And I, man, I didn't have anything on, like sunscreen. And my belly, my belly, I tell you, the next day, I, I think I might have asked the Lord to come and get me. <laughs> not, not kidding. It, I had to go preach a, a, a crusade the next day. So I was in a hotel all by myself. I didn't have my wife to cry to. She bought me a big old thing of like alloy. And I had, you know, it was so bad that I was getting in a hot bathtub because a cold bathtub wasn't working. I don't know how I did that. My point just simply being, that's just, that's just the natural sun just coming and baking our very sensitive flesh. Moses comes and the whole thing is glowing. It's almost like God took him to the brink of disintegration but didn't quite let him cross over. Just so that he would glow and be like a nightlight. 
for a period of time. 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, verse 12 says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know as I am known. So now we got 1 John 3, 2. We got 1 Corinthians 13, 12. We got this passage in Moses, in Exodus about Moses. The whole idea is that we're seeing just a little part of the whole. And we don't quite understand exactly what it's all going to be like, but there's one consistent component to it is that when we see him face to face, everybody say, see him face to face. You're going to see Jesus face to face. I think of <laughs> I think of how hard it is. My mind just ro- just raced a, a couple different directions just then. I think of how hard it is sometimes just to get with people face to face, right? But here, Jesus, Jesus is going to give us face to face access. You're going to see him face to face. So, so if we're looking at Moses' story and how, you know, just a little glimpse of the backside had his entire physical being glowing like a nightlight. And Jesus says that we're going we're gonna to see him. The word of God says that we're going to see Jesus face to face. Well, then we begin to understand 1 Corinthians 15, 52 and 53, where it says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet will sound and the dead and will rise be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for the corruptible hear this for this corruptible that's your flesh that's our physical bodies for the corruptible must put on incorruptible and this mortal must put on immortality it's like right out of like a a fairy tale except it's truth it's real it's not this came out of the fairy tale it's all these these mystical little stories that we like to twist and turn and and you know offer up on this on that box is actually coming from this one source of immortality coming Face-to-face with Jesus requires that we are putting on a physical body that will not be consumed by the glorious presence of Jesus. It's an amazing thing. You see, that's why every, every step, every, every time we're in the presence of the Lord, every time we're worshiping. Last night we worshiped at Glory Night for just an hour and a half of worship, and I, I understand that 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 you know we're not all used to worshiping for an hour and a half, and we're not all you know even able in the flesh to like stay focused for that long. But here's the thing: everything we're doing is just a a pale preparation for what we're going to be doing for all of eternity. Eternity, amongst other things, the primary thing that will be happening in eternity is worship of Jesus. Now, there are other things, and we'll, we'll see just very quickly today. We're not going to get stuck there. 
Today, there are other things, but, but worship is the primary thing. With that in mind, we come back to that passage where we begin and we just go to Revelation 19 and maybe we just jump down into verse 7 where it says, Let us rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. You see, all of eternity, even though we've technically have begun eternity, we're still in this corruptible state. We're still on this corrupted planet. And when Christ returns and catches up his people, the first sort of commencement event or activity is going to be this marriage supper with Christ. Now, this marriage supper and the whole idea of marriage with Christ, it's is really one of these just strange, strange concepts. Not the whole idea of marriage, but the whole idea of, have you ever, and don't throw anything at me, but have you ever just seen a really strange marriage union before? Somebody, when you just, and what do you say, where are you going with this, Pastor? Because, like, I might, apply, I, might, I might be the one you're talking about. It's one of those marriages where you're like, man, that one really married up. <laughs> Y'all starting to, starting to get where I'm going with this. You're like, boy, boy, he or she really married up out of his class, huh? Yes, well, my wife said it's normally the guy. I'm trying to, I'm trying to apply it to both. I've, I've, I've had the privileges, one of the, you know, the privileges that a, that a pastor, we get to see a lot of weddings and do a lot of weddings and marriages. And man, one stands out amongst all of them. I remember this, this, and this was years and years ago. And there was this one guy. And let's just say he was a little on the shorter side. Not like real short, just shorter. But the lady that he was going after, he was sort of shorter and rugged and sort of a hard worker, sort of an off-the-streets kind of chap, but had a huge heart for God, loved the Lord. And he somehow got a word from God that he was going to marry so-and-so. Now, so-and-so was like six foot two. Six foot three, beautiful, brilliant, was, was like one of the smartest people that I've met and was just also had this huge heart for God. So they both had huge hearts for God. So check mark, check mark, right? However, when he got this word from the Lord that, that hey, you're going to be my wife, this lady looked at him and said, you're crazy. Literally. They were friends. It was in the young adult circle and everything. He wasn't phased. He said, I'm patient. I kid you not, this man waited for years and asked. I don't, I, we lost track of, we lost track count. He must have asked a dozen times. For this lady to give him permission to court her. And she kept on, you're nuts. You're crazy. 
she would even tell this boy, you know what, This'll, you'll be the last person that I marry. She wasn't trying to be mean, but she was just trying to manage expectations. <laughs> True story. This guy hung on, hung on. I tell you, it was a few years later, but I did the wedding. I performed the wedding of this, this shorter, rugged, handsome guy that just kind of reminds me of myself off the, you know. <laughs> I was really referring to the not so brilliant and, you know, my wife being the brilliant one. I, we did the wedding. And here's, here's my point is that our marriage with Christ, it's one of these strangest unions. Because here we have the perfectly perfect groom with, frankly speaking, a really ugly bride. This perfect groom, perfect in majesty, perfect in beauty, perfect in love, perfect in how, they, how he treats us how he helps us, how he's patient with us, how he just keeps on encouraging us, how he keeps on giving us another chance, how he just keeps on like, you're awesome. I mean, we have this perfect, this perfect groom. And then you got us. You got us. Now, yeah, we've we're covered with the blood of Jesus. We're not gonna we're not gonna shorten the power of the blood of Jesus. But you see my you see my analogy there. That here we are. Let's just say far less than perfect, right? And yet the first thing that happens when we are caught up from this planet and we're we're raptured up to be with Christ in the clouds of the air. Caught up, just raptured, just simply meaning to be caught up. The first thing that, that happens is, is we sit down with this perfect groom at this marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a celebration. It's a celebration in, in more of a, a Jewish tradition where the, the marriage supper, where obviously, you know, in our, our Western mindset, all the suppers sort of happen beforehand. And, and, and then like, you know, the, the couple sort of vanishes off into honeymoon land, right? But here, the, the marriage supper in Jewish tradition, the, that celebration happens post. It happens post um, the... Um, consummation, thank you, of the marriage union. And so here they come and they, they're together and then they celebrate with everybody. They celebrate. And we enter into this, we enter into this celebration with a perfect groom. And this, at this point in time, at this point in the timeline of, of history, this is when we see the millennial reign of Christ coming into the picture. Now understand that there's many things that have taken place from here to, to the last days, to the, the, the tribulous days, the great terrible days of the Lord. As, as we've noted in group on Friday night, more worse than what has ever been in the past or will ever be. 
And so we have those days. Then we have this first resurrection. And then the scriptures tell us, blessed are those who participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb. In this first resurrection to be with Christ. And then we get into Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. And I saw the thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. You see, as we walk through the timeline and just getting ready to be ready, I mean, this this thousand-year reign with Christ post-marriage supper, post-first resurrection, I mean, this thousand-year reign happens here. Mandeville, Louisiana, well, that's not going to be headquarters. <laughs> we think it's headquarters now, like, you know, the best place to live. But the point is this happens here. We've not yet got to that point. We'll read it in a moment in Revelation 21, the new heavens and the new earth happens here. So when we talk about what's going to be what's going to be happening as we enter into this eternal space, this eternal time, here we are with Jesus worshiping him and reigning with him over the entire current earth. He's going to come with an iron rod. He's going to come and he's going to get all things in order. For a thousand years, you think, man, we're talking like Narnia stuff now. That's our only reference point oftentimes to, you know, a thousand years alive on earth. But, but forget not, in our relative recent history, because we think oftentimes mistakenly in terms of human life, millions and billions in these things, but in relative recent history, mankind lived to be 800 plus years old. Mankind lived hundreds and hundreds of years on the earth within human history. And so the Lord's coming and the first thing that he comes in and restores is just this, this, this length of time that we once spent on earth. We're here. We're glorified. We're looking upon Jesus, but we're reigning with him. It's, it's a sight. I went and looked up with that. My had my thoughts going everywhere. Do you have any idea how many political offices are in just this nation alone? Throw out some numbers real quick. Political of every, uh, this nation, federal, state, local, political offices. Anybody have any idea? Hi. More than a thousand, over five hundred thousand political. <laughs> we talk about the swamp, right? 
<laughs> that puts a whole new light on, on the swamp, right? And that, that really gets down to the minutia of local. Strangely enough, the majority of those are in state and local, right? And so, but here's, here's my, my line of thinking when I go to, what, I, what took me there is that here we are on this earth for a thousand years reigning with Christ over the nations. The beast, the false prophet that will rise at this point, the scriptures tell us, and I want to read it versus just recite I just read it in, in 19. The, and I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together for war against him who sat on the throne. And the beast and the false prophet were captured who deceived those who had received the mark. And these two were cast alive into the lake of fire and brimstone. But I love the fact that it just says that it was an unnamed. Well, we get on to the to Satan. It was an unnamed angel, an unnamed one. Unnamed angel came and bound up right after this bound up Satan for a thousand years. You wonder how how powerful or powerless Satan really is when it came time to bind him up when his time when the church age had come to a an end and it was time to bind him up and it was time to enter in to the millennial age one unnamed angel came from heaven with a little chain i'm sure it was a i'm sure it was a sizable chain <laughs> maybe not maybe it's just a little bit old chain you know that's got holy ghost anointing all over it i don't know but one unnamed angel came down and bound up Satan and threw him into the pit for a thousand years. So we reign for a thousand years of peace with Christ. The men and women of God functioning the government of Christ here upon the earth. It's, and it's restored. And there, is, there comes a quick, a quick blip at the end of the thousand years. It doesn't... It doesn't really give much emphasis to it in Scripture other than a couple quick verses that after the thousand years that Satan is released and he gathers together all the nations from the four corners. But before you can hardly get through one or two verses and God destroys them with fire that falls from heaven and it's done. You see, people of God, we've got, we've, we've got a future ahead of us. We wonder what eternity is going to be like. And, and too often times we, we think about eternity in light of the pain and the heartache and the, the, the sickness and the shortness of life and all of life's challenges here upon earth where eternity is going to be nothing like our existence here upon earth. Even we ourselves are going to be completely different. We know not yet what we're going to be, but we know that we're going to be like him because we're going to see him as he is. And, and finally, we get to this, this end of this, this journey, which is really the beginning. 
in Revelation 21, and we can't read it all, but we'll read about four of these verses where it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And then in verse 5 it says, And there will be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever. And if that wasn't enough, and if forever doesn't mean forever... And ever. Amen. Heaven. Now we've got to take a few minutes here. And as I told us last week, it's, it's one of those topics that no matter how hard or how much you prepare, you can, you can barely do it any justice at all. But heaven. Eternity. With the Lord. Heaven is this eternal abode, but more than just a place where we're going to sort of hang out for infinite years ahead. Heaven is this internal interaction with the Lord. It's an eternal unveiling of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's this, this constant. It's not a we arrive to heaven, we look at him face to face, and all of a sudden we've got the full story. Eternity is going to be gazing upon Christ, going deeper and deeper in relationship with him for the rest of forever and ever, and we're still never going to get to the bottom of his infinity. We wonder sometimes, am I going to be totally bored in eternity? I get so bored with my life today if, you know, if I don't have something to do like in the next five minutes, I'm already bored. Looking at him face to face is going to be this eternal mystery that's right before us that somehow we understand, but somehow we don't understand. And there's going to be this eternal longing and drawing and pushing for us to know him more. That's what's going to think of your, the, whatever hobby keeps your little short attention span for just a second. And times that by forever and ever. In this life, we get a small taste of the presence of Jesus. Those moments when we sense undoubtedly that Jesus is near 
and the peace of God fills our heart and we know everything is going to be okay. But then in this life, then just moments later, right when we step out of that sweet presence and we step back into the world that we live in and it smacks us upside the head, that sweet taste of heaven vanishes slowly until the next encounter with Christ. The difference with eternity is that this encounter and this sweet taste never ends. We don't have to worry about it fading or disappearing. We don't have to worry about our interests. Oh, I don't really feel like doing the church or the Jesus God thing today, this week. When we taste of the fountain of love, As Jonathan Edwards likes to, and has a sermon in a book, he says, heaven is a place of love. I want you to think about it above everything else in this life. Every single one of us want one thing above everything else, and that's to be loved. There is a security. There is a reassurance. There is the sense of everything's going to be okay if I've got one person who loves me. Thank you, sweetie. Wasn't really what I was talking about, but it works. I'll take it. Eternity in heaven is a place of love. Beyond any of the other things that we we might currently think about, that I'm going to even leave unnamed today. Above all these things, it's a place where we get to experience unadulterated love of God. It's pure. The streets reflect the pure love God has for us. And how we get to experience his love forever and ever. God is the fountain of love. Heaven is is God's dwelling. Therefore, heaven is a place of love. You think of a small child and those of us with, who have had small children at some point, think of that small child who has not a care in the world because he or she knows that they're loved. They know that mommy and daddy are there. Heaven is a different place than than our current dwelling here upon earth. In heaven, as Jonathan Edwards, we got one or two of his from heaven is a world of love. In heaven, he will dwell and gloriously manifest himself to eternity. And this renders heaven a world of love. For God is the fountain of love as the sun is the fountain of light. And therefore the glorious presence of God in heaven fills heaven with love. As the sun placed in the midst of our hemisphere on a clear day fills the world with its light. You see, heaven is love perfected. 
When we think of what eternity is going to be, eternity is love perfected. There will be types of responsibilities as we reign with Christ. But even in this structure, there is perfection. There's no envy of one another. There's no trying to use somebody as a ladder to climb to another position or another place, even with the the hierarchy and in those, if you think about it for a minute, you say, but isn't, aren't there going to be those who, who have more crowns than, or more jewels than, than others in heaven? And, and there seems to be some reward system in place and everything, but think about it. Here we tend to envy or we get jealous, but in heaven, to have superior reward would then mean that there was superior holiness, which then means there was superior humility. So for those who end up with whatever rewards that we all receive, maybe in some form of different measure, There's going to be no envy of one who might have a few more and there'll be no looking down on others who might have a few less because all of envy and all of pride and all of fleshly ambitions are removed because love is made perfect. You could dive into that for a while. But this is what we're preparing ourselves for. And yes, at times it can be be discouraging here upon earth. Especially when we're looking at other men and women of God and other supposed men and women of God. And and there's the letdowns and there's the hurts. And somehow we, we tend to compare or relate that to the place where we're headed. And that's just not, that's not the case. We are on a journey to be with perfect love for all of eternity. And that's what we as a people are preparing our hearts for. The apostle tells us as we finish that God is love in 1 John 4, 8. And therefore, seeing he is an infinite being, It follows that he is an infinite fountain of love. Seeing he is an all-sufficient being, it follows that he is full and overflowing and an inexhaustible fountain of love. Seeing he is an unchangeable and eternal being, he is an unchangeable and eternal being source of love there even in heaven dwells that God from whom a stream of holy love every drop that proceeds from his throne and I'll just close with this last thought that 
that we might have to dive into it at some point, but there's no sea. There's no, there's no oceans in heaven. There's no more sea and there's no more sun and there's no more moon and stars. Because all these things for us here are, are representing and pointing us as creation speaks of its creator. And as the oceans consume the earth, what somebody tell me, remind me, how much of the earth is water? 70 what? Come on, teachers, hit me up. 70 70 percent as the uh, as the earth is consumed with water yet here we we get to heaven and there's no more ocean yet there's a stream there's a stream that's flowing from the throne of God this stream flowing from God's throne is enough not in the sense of natural water that even us being mostly water as people, but in the sense that everything we need in heaven, but starting here on earth, flows from the very presence and the very throne of God. I pray today that your heart would leap within you. I pray that it pulls you into a new reality of Jesus, his purpose for your life, for our time here upon earth. But more than anything else, that Jesus and his love for you is all sufficient and all you need in Jesus' name. Go ahead and stand to your feet if you would. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just open up your hearts. Open up your hearts if you would. Just open up your hearts into Jesus. Open up your hearts to Jesus. I want you to receive for anybody in this room this afternoon. If you've never just opened up your heart to receive this love of God to flood your life, to transform your life, to transform your how you view life, how you walk through life, how you perceive your existence upon this earth, that all changes when you receive the love of Jesus in your heart. And as we just close with prayer and and a song of worship, I'm going to invite you just to open up your hearts to Jesus, every single one of us. Open up our hearts to new perspective, to new life new life in Christ and I want you just to pray with me just each one of us individually right where you are in your seats today just pray with me and say Jesus I need your love Jesus I need your love to flow through me